it's just being around it is just awesome. Have you been? Ah, this is going to sound terribly immodest, Teddy, but I played it last month. Did you really? This interview is just extended to another half an hour. Yes, the voice there of Manchester United, Tottenham Hotspur and England legend Teddy Sheringham. He'll be coming up a little bit later on on this week's episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Hello, thank you very much for tuning in. Pleasure to have your company as always. Michael McEwen here. What a week. What a week we've just had. What a week we've got coming up. It's a strange intersection we find ourselves at. Crazy week last week, major week this week. What a time to be alive, isn't that right, Bryce Ritchie, Bunkered Editor? Slurping on his coffee. Just having my coffee there. Yes. Good morning. That's quite a time to be alive in the golf world. Lots to get into, but as ever, we like to find out what each other was doing at the weekend before we get going. We like to find out. I don't think the listeners really care. My wife likes this bit. This is the bit she says she listens to. It's because she likes to hear me. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Let's let's dodge that, moving swiftly on, because I will have questions to answer if we go any further with it. How was your weekend? I, I, that's, actually, I saw you on, on Friday night. Yeah, Last time had, I saw you, you were diving headlong into an Uber. Yeah, we had a, we had a what do you call it, a, a social occasion on Friday night, didn't we? Staff night out. Staff probably. night out, yeah. No, it was good. And uh, I realised I made a carnal mistake of getting in the front seat of the Uber. Never get in the front seat, Bryce. Huge error. 40 minute drive home, total silence. Brilliant. And my phone was dead. So oh, no. Not great. But apart from that, I did the garden, my grass. I know everyone's fascinated by my grass. <laughs> grass Listen, that's a good point. Someone has actually asked the question on social media How is Bryce's grass? We are awaiting updates. Sensational. It's not as good as it should be, to be honest. I've kind of let myself down. And I think, was it Friday or Saturday? I watered it, and then half an hour later it started raining. <laughs> so I looked like a complete idiot in front of my neighbours. You didn't check the forecast? But I'm used to that anyway. No, I don't do that. Just casually casually wasting water. Yes, sorry about that. People right now in Suffolk and Sussex yeah. are listening and going, we're under a house park, Ben. Uh, sorry, Greta. <laughs> oh, ouchie. Excellent. I'm glad you had a good weekend. Let's dive How in. How was your weekend? Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Good. Move on. <laughs> it wasn't dreadful. I just didn't achieve much. I thought the Champions League final was crap. I was home in time for the second half. I thought Jake Humphrey was a good laugh. Jake Humphrey, eh? (laughs) High performance. Just do it. The thing that scares you, get out of the comfy seat. Leave your wife. Well, he can take the comfy seat now that he's finished with BT Sport, potentially. God. Did you, I've got to ask you this, because you've interviewed an awful lot of people in your time, Bryce, and you're you're now into your third decade as a a sports writer. Have you ever... (sighs) It's true though. Sigh all you like. It's true. Have you ever mid-interview asked someone for an autograph? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I could not believe I was watching. Why? Why have you just asked somebody for their autograph on a live broadcast? Mm-hmm. It used to piss me off at the open, and I don't know why the RNA allowed it. I actually don't think they do it anymore. But at the open, they used to stand there and see some journalists. Getting gloves signed at the end of pressers. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. a guy walking up to Tiger with his hand out, wearing the glove, and saying, "Tiger, <laughs> what are you doing?" It's an abuse of a privilege. Uh, You're I mean, there to do a job. They 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 want to just uh, these guys don't even really want to answer your questions. No. They're just doing it because they kind of have to. They don't have to then sign autographs. Yeah, it's bizarre. I, th- I thought, to be honest, I thought he was trying to have a bit of fun. But it was really, really awkward. Yeah. I also think he's horrendous. He's a horrendous watch. He might, as, he might as well just cuddle them. Absolutely right. I 
I just overly like style. Uh-huh. He doesn't ask questions. He just throws statements uh-huh. at them. And I get that that's maybe his style and his technique. And there is something to be said for that. You pose a statement and they have to respond in maybe a different way than the question. But I just don't like his style. It's too smarmy. And I, listen, I'll be fair. He did say on social media yesterday, apparently, that he's going to auction the armband off that Ilke Gundogan signed. He's going to auction it off for charity. It's just weird. But there's that, a time and a place. Uh, it's just... You're not going to convince me that he couldn't have got that signature from Gundogan off air. Mm. It's not everything. All the, all the, I know they want sound bites and stuff and you don't really want to test players, but eventually you've got to ask questions that are a bit... Mm. You want to go out there and ask. Like, if you listen to BBC Radio Scotland, Martin Dowden, he, he was tasked at the end of games to ask Ange Postacoglu questions, sometimes when they weren't playing that well. And he did ask hard questions. That's a hard job. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that, to go in front of somebody and actually pose questions that people want answers to, but you know your subject is not interested in answering that question, but you still need to ask it anyway. That's a hard job. Sometimes I think Des Kelly's just... Everything is uh, uh, everything the player wants to have asked. Yep. So it's kind of not much point in asking that question. I don't know who the, the woman was after the Conference League final last week between West Ham and Fiorentina. I thought she was brilliant on the pitch. She went up to Declan Rice, West Ham captain. We're going to golf in a second. Went up to Declan Rice, West Ham captain, and said, the question everyone wants to know, was that your last game? Yeah. And I thought, fair play. I know. That's, that's, that's what people want to know. Mm-hmm. But can you sign this... Oh, yeah, anyway. Let's move on to golf, Bryce. We're going to come to the US Open in a second because there is a lot of ground there to cover and that's possibly why a lot of you are tuning in. But we cannot ignore the quote-unquote merger that happened last week. Thank you to all of you who listened to our emergency podcast. It was 30-odd minutes of utter chaos, I think, as we responded to that breaking news. But we couldn't really have done it any other way, I think. And since then, listen, quite a lot's happened Frankly, not much is still clear at no. this point in time. <laughs> so bear with us. Still have quite a lot of questions to answer, but we're in that weird dust-settling phase where all sides are claiming it as a victory. And I think in the interest of peace and harmony, that's kind of going unchallenged by the other members of this ceasefire or truce, whatever you want to call it, which has created lots of confusion and, as I say, not a huge amount of clarity. Bryce... What I will say is you said on social media at the weekend that basically where you think we're going to get to with this is effectively an Aramco team series as we have on the LAT and have had for a few years. We're going to get that for men. What do you mean by that and why do you think that's where we're going to end up? Well, you know, there's a lot of chat that's saying that Liv's dead. You know, there's a few people who have been re- reported to suggest on the PGA Tour side that they're going to kill off Liv. I actually, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that to a certain extent, but they need to remember, like, Piff is investing in the PGA Tour, and they're going to invest a lot. So if you read the reports that PGA Tour have gone into the reserves, their lawyers' fees were coming up to something like $100 million, their fees, because when you're fighting somebody like Piff, you need to know what you're doing. They've got into the reserves for, to pay for these elevated events. They've since lost two very well-known or long-standing sponsors. So the future's not exactly rosy. So I think, now we're speculating here, but I think they've gone, and we all know the story about that there's things that ha- would happen in the lawsuit that the PGA Tour don't want out. PIF certainly don't want out. And I think they've said, look, at the end of the day, we want to invest. We've tried it with Liv. It, 
it hasn't worked. I don't think it has worked. I know that other people say it has worked. It's been successful. To a certain extent, it has. But from a business model, it has not worked because they have not sold a franchise. They have not got that team element out there with people turning up, supporting their team. That's just not got to where they want it to get to. So I think Pith... And TV's a big thing as well, yeah. isn't it? They didn't get the deal they wanted and... You know, if you're not they, on TV by their own admission to us uh-huh. last year, then you don't exist. And as you know, as you found out from your reporting last year, that Piff wanted to invest in golf. That was their initial plan. And the DP World said no. The DP World Tour said yes originally, just to clear that up, because they brought Piff and Golf Saudi into, as they would say, the golf ecosystem. It was then when they went out to try and create this new thing, which became Live, that's when PGA Tour didn't even respond to them in the yes. first instance. And the DP World Tour was in that invidious position of having to pick one over the other. Uh-huh. But there was an offer on the table of a bit, we'll invest a billion into yeah. your tour. And they, you know, they, they dispute that and they say there yeah. was no offer. It's splitting hairs for me, quite frankly. There was a yeah. proposal put in front of them. Is that good enough? Does that constitute an offer? And they said no. So it looks like there's a huge investment from PIF to say, we want to be involved in golf. This is a way around our situation. Mm -hmm. I think the way around that is Aramco. Because Aramco works in in LPGA and LET. And as we've said so many times, like live golf gets slated. The male golfers got poured over hot coals to join this Saudi-backed tour, a Saudi-funded tour. They got absolutely slaughtered by the media for doing it, and players, and the ladies' equivalent got nothing. Not a word. Not a word. So these, Barely a word. I barely a word. Someone's going to pull us up on that. There was one player in England who had, she had mixed feelings about it and then changed her mind. And I get that. I'm, I've got nothing against that. But the LPG and the LET got serious investment from Aramco. There are some people that will tell you if it wasn't for Aramco that um, that Saudi money coming in, the LET would be in a real struggling Mm -hmm. place right now. I mean, majorly struggling. So I think it makes sense. If they're wanting to invest in pro golf at the top level, create some sort of team, which is what Aramco is, a team element in male professional golf. I... if I was to throw my hat in the ring, I, I genuinely don't think Liv will exist. I don't think Liv has got to where they want it to get to. And I think if, if Monaghan has got some sort of power with Al Ramayan, he'll basically say, can we get rid of that and restart? It kind of feels like Liv was the means to the end to yeah. some degree. And for all his grandstanding, we'll come to Greg Norman in a second, saying that it's not going to go anywhere. Wasn't involved in the discussions, apparently, so I'm not entirely sure what to make of what Greg Norman's saying to his staff. Just want to remind you of this, though. This is from the, the piece that I did just before Christmas, which was a bit of a deep dive into how we got to where we are. On April 17, 2021, a letter was sent by Super League Golf, which is now Live, to Jay Monaghan, outlining the PIF's intention to invest several billion dollars into golf through SLG and including the invitation to Monaghan and the PGA Tour to open dialogue to discuss it. As far as we are led to believe, Monaghan never replied to that letter, nor has he ever responded directly to any acknowledged attempts by SLG or Liv to engage him. 
Had he done so at that point, he might have learned that the tour was being offered the opportunity to be a potential operating partner of SLG slash Live. It would get to run the Inside the Ropes operation and sanction the US-based events. It would also get to be a founding partner. There would be a dual commissioner role for Monaghan and the tour would have an equity stake in the league itself as well as 5% of every team. It'd also be a media rights partner. It feels to me, Bryce, like we've actually ended up where they wanted to get to at the outset. Yeah. Which raises big questions for Jay Monaghan. Chief amongst them being, couldn't all this have been avoided if you'd just taken the call? Yeah, absolutely. Before we go there... I think it's very interesting to note that if PIF are investing, they want something for their money. You, they, you, they want something that says this is working. I now people may disagree with me. My opinion at the moment is they are absolutely not getting that with live mm-hmm. because they're not at the table. The only thing they've got at the moment is mainstream legitimacy. When it comes to the majors, like their players have served them well at the Masters, the PGA, they've come to the table and said, look, we're playing on this other tour, but we're still competing at the top level, which is against what I thought was possible. And I take all that. That's absolutely fine. But Liv doesn't give them success. The, Return on investment. Yes. Yeah. The big, that's what they, have you said this repeatedly, it's the public investment fund for a reason. They're here to make money. What they require from the PGA Tour is TV. So the one thing they'll want is to be on TV. They want Saudi Arabia on the TV. They want their investment shown around the world. That's what they're looking. That's what they're doing in F one, which they tried to buy at the beginning of the year. It's what they do in football. Uh, look at who moved to Saudi Arabia last week in terms of football. Yeah, yeah. Kante, Karim there's, Benzema. There's a reason just for missed it. out on Messi. They're doing it in cycling. Mm-hmm. So I, I think as as the deal moves on, there will be some form of PIF funded tournament exhibition, whatever you call it, a series that will be on TV, which is where the compromise comes in. And I think if the PG Tour were sensible, they could say, look, after September. Uh, from September till January, that could be like your time. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have one or two dates earlier, later in the year where everything's Saudi Arabia. <laughs> everything's your world. That's live. That's been discussed. Like fall series becomes yeah. that. And then they f- schedule in something else. There might be some f- sort of investment in the FedEx that's got some... Well, they're already investing in FedEx if you, you, well, yeah, no, no, <laughs> if you no. look at where FedEx but gets its it, money it, from. It, it's... it's to me, it cannot continue the way it is now. There are sweeping changes to come. We just don't know what they are because all they're doing now is agreeing, let's stop the fight. Yes, you want to be involved in it. Look, you're going to invest billions. Let's do it. Let's work out how we do that. But the big thing is that how is, who's in charge? Well, this is it. And surely it cannot be, in my opinion, it can't be Jay Monaghan going forward for the, the reasons outlined a couple of minutes ago. The, the guy had the opportunity to yeah. get to where he is now but he's taken this circuitous route through division and litigation and all kinds of strife for reasons I don't fully understand. You know, just take the call, know your enemy. That's that's surely the first thing you do. Which means that... And he's lost the dressing room. Right, that's the big thing. Yeah. You know, last week players are calling for his resignation. Something very, very serious happened when it came to the litigation. Well, we'll I... will never know what it was. I'll throw one out there. 501c6... The PGA Tour is a registered charity. Yeah. 
it's tax exempt. The yeah. last thing it wants is to go into an open court and have all that stuff challenged, yeah. not for the first time. Yeah, there's all those things in the background, but something very serious, and it might be something like that, has come out and they've said, look, we don't want this. It's going to cost us a fortune. And cost lawyers us a fortune fees, never mind and everything. Else. And it's not a good look. Surely, um, though, it's the job of a boss that's what to I've anticipate said. this. I've said that. I said that before about Keith Pelly. Said that before. These guys, people argue about people in charge of tour, of of big organisations getting big big salaries. Mm-hmm. The reason they get big big salaries is because they have to navigate these issues, mm-hmm. and that's why they have that's why the the pressure that these guys are under to deliver every single day is absolutely huge. And when you get it wrong, that's you fall. Basically, mm. you cannot afford to get things wrong. I think everyone will now look at Monin and think he's this has not been well done. And he wants to give himself a promotion yeah. to be the chief exec of whatever the new unnamed entity. I mean, is. there's there's people out there who say it doesn't matter what Keith what Monaghan does. He is answering to his biggest investor. Like you know, if Monaghan walks in and the, and the chief executive of FedEx or the guy that signs the deal for FedEx, don't forget. Their involvement with the PG Tour is absolutely monstrous. This is over 10 years they've been involved. Their deal is absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. So when that guy walks into a room, Monaghan is at the guy's feet. That guy is pulling the strings, I want this, I want that. If you want another 100, 500 million, I want this, I want that. Yep. It's the same with Yasser. So I don't believe that Monaghan will effectively be in charge. Yasser's got a massive say in the future of the PGU Tour. This guy's investing. This guy's not... They're not talking about two, three hundred million here investing in golf. They're talking billions. Mm-hmm. This is... A, Which is small beer for the Saudis. Small beer for the Saudis. This is an organisation that just spent a hundred million dollars on the Asian Tour. A tour that no player, mm-hmm. no golfer watches. Nobody watches... With the greatest yeah. of respect... There are not millions of people in their homes sitting watching the Asian tour. They spent $100 million in a 10-year deal they committed to. So you imagine what they're going to That's do with the, the PGA 10 tour. Years still nine or ten eight years, years ago. Yeah. It will not only be a big investment, it will be a f***ing year's tie-in. They and there's the not... first use of the bleep button Sorry, in this episode. But it's true. If you don't realise how big a deal this is for golf, it is absolutely huge. Yeah. Listen, we do have questions as well from people that I want to include. Some listeners getting in touch. Phil Eager, has anyone checked if Jay Monaghan has ordered a new yacht? Has he got a yacht? I think we'll need to find out. It's a great question, Phil. No wonder. His salary is enormous. <laughs> Eat and sleep golf. Who should Jay have apologised to first? I'll take that one if that's all right. The 9-11 families? weaponizing a tragedy like that a year ago to suit his own ends to try and suit his own agenda and then turn around and say actually no we'll just partner with the people that i told you were awful and reprehensible for me that's the single worst part of it all you know he, he might have strong feelings he might have personal feelings about what happened at 9 11 but he looks a bit foolish now when, when he's you, going back in his work when you set your stall out like that from yeah. the start you've got nowhere to go but staying that stay in that lane and Spot he's now on. changed. and it's, it's No credibility left, no, frankly. it's shocking. Gordon Graham asks, how much should Chesson Hadley be paid for his loyalty, in inverted commas? And this is the other bit that I want to touch on. A lot of players who didn't take the live Saudi money at the time, and I'm not sure Chesson Hadley would have been one of them, but... Oh, but he makes a good point. He makes a very good point in the sense that 
all these players, Xander Schofley, Patrick Cantley, John Ram, even Rory, Tiger, whoever, turned down that money to stay loyal to the PGA Tour. They may have been persuaded by the PGA Tour and the suits for all we know. And now they've lost out in that massive windfall that others, Bryson, Phil, Brooks, DJ, Sergio. Hideki Matsuyama knocked back 50 million a few months ago. They are rightly, in my opinion, perfectly justified to be furious at all this. It's like, wait a minute. We sided with you and now you've gone and negotiated this deal behind our backs. Which is what the, 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 the one, the way they will counter that or deal with that problem is just give them money. That's what Monaghan said. He said, or was they'll, it Monaghan? Monaghan said that Tiger and Rory will be looked after. Yeah, they'll be well looked after. You know, if you stayed with the PG Tour, you will be rewarded. But that seems very strange. Mm-hmm. And also how... How are they going to get Brooks Kepka back onto the PGA Tour? Are they going to do that next year? Well, this is it. They're saying it that the players who are currently on the PGA Tour are going to have a say in how that looks. It's going to get messier and messier. It's going to get messier. And if you believe the rumours that supposedly some players in the PGA Tour are thinking about legal action against Monaghan, mm. which I don't really think they've got a leg to stand well, on. Well, I agree. And that, that goes back to the Chess and Hadley point. You know, how, Let's answer Gordon's question. How much should he be paid for his loyalty? Frankly, I know this is going to sound a bit mean, but Nothing, in my opinion, because let's say Bryce, let's say unless he was contractually told not to do that, yeah, which he's going to have a hard time to to prove unless it's yeah. written. Let's say Golf Digest come in for me with a massive offer, and you say to me, "Ah, Michael, stay. Things are going to be good here." And I go, "All right, fair enough," and I choose, I decide to stay, and then we, as Bunkered, sign this big deal with Golf Digest into partnership, and I go, "Oh, wait a minute." Ultimately, I've still made that decision. It's my choice. Mm-hmm. I don't see, I don't see how I can be rewarded. Mm. So I'm not you sure. You could be rewarded if we decided that we were going to give everyone a ten million dollar bonus when so many people read their content or whatever. Ten that's, million dollars. Eh? Yeah, no. That's I know we're getting a bit excited, but that's that's the kind of things that mm. I think these players like Rory, not so much Tigers. I think Tigers. I mean, utterly silent and all of this. Can I ask on that? People seem to be expecting Tiger to have said something and it's like, well, why has Tiger said nothing at all? Tiger's always been mute. Yeah, but the other thing is, isn't his silence worth a thousand words anyway? Do you know what I mean? If Tiger had particularly strong feelings on this, he would surely speak. Don't you think? Well, he spoke at the Open. And I think in a press conference, in a press, but he was a lot more vocal than he's ever been before. But that's obviously because... and. Bear in mind, I'm about to say this, mm-hmm. but his career's kind of winding down, so he might as well chat because it's role was really got. It happens with everyone, you know. He, he said nothing throughout his entire career. Now his career looks as though it's winding down. He was a bit vocal. We were all a bit surprised. His best pals with everyone. It's, we've got that, but he has been absolutely pretty silent in this in the mm-hmm. last six seven months. So I don't know where we go with that, but uh, th- there's been chat about Tiger being involved in the PGA Tour from an admin leadership, you know, sort of ambassadorial role. Well, he's got a decision to make now whether he wants to be taking on that job, considering who's funding it, because that's a, it's a tricky one. It's a moral and ethical dilemma that Jay Monaghan himself said that PGA Tour players wouldn't have to face. Was he uh, said, you'll never have to apologise yeah. for being a member of the PGA it Tour. It was, I think, when that... When he came out, it was just jaw-dropping. And I think the fact that one of the first phone calls they made to their staff was from Jimmy Dunn to mm-hmm. Rory, half six in the morning. This is happening, by the way. 
I mean, unbelievable. Rory has been completely shafted. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. He called himself a sacrificial lamb. Uh-huh. Whilst at the same time, saying that he still supports Monaghan, I didn't think it was the most blistering defence of Monaghan you've ever seen, but says he still has his, his support. But you don't call yourself a sacrificial lamb if you're not pissed off. It's hugely embarrassing for Rory. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Hugely embarrassing. Greg Norman, any future in this for him? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't see why not. I'm, I'm not, I'm not anti. I'm, so many people are anti Greg Norman. I'm not anti Greg Norman. I like Greg Norman. He's a cl- very, very clever guy. Greg Norman has managed to get live to where it is now. Whether you agree it's a huge success or not, that is partly down. Well, to he got Greg, it started. For, yeah, for one thing, that is partly down to Greg Norman. The guy has batted off nonsense from people for a long time. Remember, we had the the. the before Centurion last year, we had the Norman's not said anything, but there's rumours that Norman's not going to be there. There's rumours that, and it happened. He got all the people in the room. He got the players. He was the one that was making phone calls. I, I think it would be very strange to have something like this not involve Norman. However, Yasar Ramayan has got a decision to make whether he wants to have that link with Liv still there as they move forward. I suspect the PG Tour will not want Norman involved mm. at all, but they'll not. As soon as we do, I don't think they'll have a say. Wherever Yasser wants, Yasser will he get. He who pays the piper calls the tune, mm-hmm. is that old saying, isn't it? But by the same token, I'm, I'm not sure how Greg Norman fits in this. Like you, I, I don't really have anything against him. He's been good to me, he's been good to us. He's feels like a straight talker, whether you agree with what he says or not. But he's also been the wartime leader yeah. for moving into peace. Can you be a peacetime leader having still been bloodied and soaked from the battlefield? I'm, I'm well, not sure Mo- if you can. Monaghan's still there. Yeah, there's a question whether he should be. But I think I think we've kind of answered that. Listen, this is going to run and run. There's going to be so much more to talk about. We could probably do another emergency pod this week, depending how things ultimately plan out. But I don't think we've said the last word on this. So rather than go too deep... Right now, let's turn our attention to the US Open. Bryce, it is US Open week. LA Country Club hosting for the first ever time, which will be interesting. We'll come to that in a sec. But we have had our first our first ball disappearing in the rough video. Hurrah. Bizarrely, it was the US Open social media account that posted yeah. that, saying let's give the people what they want. Yeah. Is that what you want? <laughs> I don't know. I always think they do these and then we don't really have that issue with the ball in the rough, so it just seems completely pointless because it doesn't really matter. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm led to believe that the, the weather's not been that great in the last few months. It's been, I think, the overcast. They've not had the heat they want to get the growth that they mm. want. So I, don't, I think the grass is thick, but it's it's not as thick as it should be for a US Open. So, it, I, I mean, I'm not think we're looking at 15 under or anything like that but it's not what they wanted and golf courses are at the mercy of the weather all the time yeah they very much are new venue as i said los angeles country club has a bit of a reputation for being quite oh, hello <laughs> an american version like oh hello that doesn't sound very posh at all so do your american posh accent again i, I couldn't country I'd, club actually what is <clears throat> country club i think it's more of the look with this sort of yeah. beige chinos and the the sort of rosé jumper over the shoulders. <laughs> that would appear to be LA. What are you expecting from it? You know, not a huge amount known about it. I know it did host the Walker Cup in 2017. Colin Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler would have played in that one. But what are you expecting from LA Country Club this week? 
I think it'll be tough. I think it'll be a typical US Open where you will need to, it'll be uh, fairways and greens. Simple as that. Fairways and greens. I think if you're not finding fairways, you'll probably struggle a wee bit. But I think it's a pretty cool place. It's it's not far from Sunset Strip. It's like eight, ten miles from, is it the Santa Monica Pier? I mean, LA, is it, have you ever been to LA? No. It's I've a, got absolutely no interest in going, yeah, if I'm being totally honest. It's a bit of a mental place. But it, it's a, LA is quite a strange place, whereas you can go somewhere and suddenly there's a golf course. And then suddenly there's some real heartbreaking poverty and then the richest people in the world. So it's a, it's a really funny place, very strange, and you've got this mega private, quite historic, I suppose, in, mm-hmm. in, its, in a certain sense, golf course that's now welcoming a US Open. What happens this week will determine whether it gets another one. Sean Drummond asked the question, he's interested in our view of majors rotating venues, adding new ones like LA, which you've already answered, you said you, you quite like that. He also asks, what makes a successful major venue, aside from being able to cope with large crowds and media requirements, which touches on that point you just made, how well this week goes will determine its future. So what does success look like this week for LA Country Club? You know what, same as a football match, was the referee any good? You only tell if the referee's any good if you don't talk about him. And I, I mean that in a nice way. There's no ne- what we're talking about is negative stuff, but yeah. I, I'm sh- you still want people to say it's exciting. You know, there's one slightly ridiculously long par three, two hundred and ninety th- yards. Yeah. Not the longest par three in no. US Open history. But I think we're 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 at the point where we're now reaching nearly three hundred yard par threes and and so on. And mind you, if it, the, but the game's changing. You look at uh, Kyle Berkshire, world long drive number one. I think he still mm-hmm. is. Kel Berkshire said on uh, Instagram last week that he's on the horizon. He thinks he's got a 500-yard drive in his back pocket. He thinks that's possible. Then again, long drive isn't tour golf. It's so. not tour golf, but still, five stand there on a mm. golf course and look at 500 yards and think... Well, when Happy Gilmore was made, the, the barometer was 400 <laughs> yards, and that was seen as fiction. <laughs> so we're going to have to remake it. Or better yet, just do the just do the you bloody could, sequel. I've been calling could, yeah, for it for years. I could do that. Happy's but, on the senior tour, goes back and shoot a return. Is that his actual name, Happy? Ah, you've seen it, have you uh, not? Yeah, only once. Uh, so yeah, I think there's... Uh, I, I would like to see new venues. I just don't want to see it all the time. Yeah. But I do think... You still want to go back to the openings yeah. of the world. There's so long. many... Yeah, there's so many things to to tick a box when you take a, a, a venue to a major championship. Uh, things like car parking. It sounds stupid, but it's true. Mm. You, you can't... Otherwise, Infrastructure. Yeah, otherwise yeah. Trump International would host the Open. It just would. You know, it There's a statement. Would. My goodness. US Open. Jesus. I well, just, Martin Slumbers may not want that, but it would. There you go. Good save. US Open, all this toughest test in golf stuff. At what does tough become too tough? And is tough golf fun to watch? Yes, because I do like the carnage. It's not, it's fun to watch, but in a weird way, it's not entertaining, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know exactly what like you Padre, mean. Like Patrick Harrington had a really good quote a few years ago where he said, how, how do you win a US Open? And he said, you play the most boring golf in the world. Mm-hmm. Fairways, greens. Yeah. Fairways, You play greens. boring golf for four days and hope it works. Well, on that point then, who who do you like the look of? Let, let's start, for example, with world number one, Scotty Scheffler. So far this season, amazing. Strokes gained tee to green. He's been a phenomenon. 
Strokes gained putting is something like 144th in the PGA Tour. It's amazing that, isn't it? How, how is it possible? It is amazing. So good tee to green and then just can't get the ball in the hole. Yeah, very strange. Does that count him out or in? Of course not. He's, uh, his record is superb. I think he's played in... I think he's played in 15 majors, Scott Scheffler. I know he's 47, but he's only played in 15. <laughs> and he's got eight top tens. And he's got Decent. Uh, one win. And he's got a couple of runners-up spots. As in most majors at the moment and most tournaments, if Scotty's at his best, he's the one you need to catch. He's so he's got such good control of his ball. I don't know how he does it with his swing, but he does. You uh, hate his swing? Uh, no, no, I don't hate his swing. I just The, the whole balance thing is... Like, it, it, you're meant to be fully in control of your swing. And he looks as though he's rattled everything. I would, I would argue of, who off his he feet. is fully in control, though, because yeah. it's the same swing every oh, time. Oh, yeah, he completely is. It's reliable for him. It works for him. It um, just vexes you. Yes, it vexes me. Terribly vexed. So He can control his ball flight. He's got great, great consistency with his irons. That's what you need to win a US Open. You need to be consistently good. Yep. You worry about the putting when it needs to. Rory. Now, Kevin Miller asks... More on the point of the quote-unquote merger. If this is a turning point for Rory, he's tried to help the PGA Tour now this. Surely this is a time to stay out of it and focus purely on his own game. <sighs> that would seem to be a good bit of advice. It feels like a bit of advice that the entire golf world is giving to Rory and has done for some time. He's in a strange place. We all know what he did at Memorial last week, getting into winning position and then blowing it in the last day. And he, he did the same in Canada last night. By the way, kudos to Nick Taylor for holding out at that post. A 72 foot putt to win. <laughs> Unbelievable scenes. Uh, apart from the security guard, he's probably tackling Adam Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. But Rory again gets himself into that position. And we spoke about this on the podcast that never aired. You'll never get to hear it. The one that got completely blown out of the water by the emergency pod we had to do. But we discussed the fact that Rory just doesn't have the same. Closing killer a, instinct aura that Tiger had in those positions. At the positions. moment, yes. At the moment, you're comparing him to Tiger. Brutal. Who am I going to compare him I to? I know, I'm sorry I spoke. That's sick. But I do think he's got a, he's got a lack of charge. That's the thing about Rory. You know, I think he was even par yesterday. Two over early doors. Just like, doesn't. Oh, it's another Sunday. Just doesn't. He'll love the Aramco team series on the PGA Tour. It's only 54 holes. But mm. he's just not got four rounds of charge in him. And I, I, I can't, I honestly can't put my finger on it. I think at the moment, Rose, uh, Rory is hurting. To me, he looks knackered. He looks as though he's beaten. He's completely exhausted, done in, doesn't he? And he, he just, he, he's not got a charge in him. I, no. I don't know how else to phrase it. But if 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 you, if Rory's three behind with eight to play, you're not confident. So Rory winning this week, yes or no? No. Okay. John Ram, he's won the US Open before, just two years ago. Been pretty quiet though since his Masters yeah, win. slightly. I wouldn't say he's off the ball, but he's been quiet. Is that just a natural consequence of winning a major, do you think? Yeah, well, there's maybe be some conversations in the background that have turned his head. You know what I mean, Michael? He went there. I went there. Yes. But you never know. Uh, I, I would expect him to, to have a say, but I don't think he's quite in the same confidence with his game as Scotty would be. Okay. I've always felt like US Open golf, not always, that's bullshit. Recently, I've felt like US Open golf is John Ram golf because very good tee to green again. He can be very hot with the putter. 
the reason that I corrected myself is that early in his career, we all know how hot-headed and temperamental he was. He's calmed that. He's yeah. calmed that. If he gets into, you know, the, the shitty spots that you do with US Opens, he seems to deal with it pretty well. So, interested in him. And Brooks, there's lots to talk about, obviously. We could talk about loads of contenders, but let's talk about Brooks. He's won the US Open twice before. Could he go back-to-back majors? Is he a danger man this week? Well, absolutely. He knows that type of golf. He just when was the last time he played? He played the week after, which the was a PGA win, uh, which was a live event, event, obviously. obviously. So he's not played. This is the thing. He's he didn't not, play very well that week. No, he's, and he's not, been partying. He was at the Florida Panthers game, he does getting love a party, up the crowd. He? he doesn't. I mean, this is the thing. He doesn't actually play that much. But if you listen to spending time with family, and some of the <laughs> some of the live players that. <laughs> If you listen to some of the players, they'll say genuinely it's helpful because they get downtime. Yeah. And then when they turn up at these events, they're reflect, refreshed, but yeah. not just refreshed physically, but mentally. They don't have that stress of weekly tournaments, yeah. which is what probably will change the PGA Tour schedule next year. There's a big, big change coming up. So yeah. I, I, I expect Brooks will be right in amongst it. Is he one of the absolute best players in the world right now? 100%. Totally agree. You know, he's had a bit of downtime. Rory, this will be week number three on the spin for Rory. Hmm, I wonder who I would put my money on. Listen, I'm going to call it there. We could go on and on and on, but there's lots more to come up on this week's episode. Before we get to the break, Bryce, you know I love my quizzes. Oh, what? It's a US Open quiz. Since World War II, there have been only 14 non-American winners of the US Open. Your task between now and the end of the Teddy Sharing Mint Review in part two, is to name them. You play along at home or in the car or wherever, wherever you are. 14 non-American winners of the US Open since World War II. Okay. Name them. Whilst you're on the case with that, we'll throw it to the break. Do not go anywhere. Loads more coming up on this week's episode of the Bunker Podcast in association with Callum. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in Performance from Callaway. Hello again, welcome back. Part two of this week's episode of the Bunker Podcast in association with Callaway. I was mentioning this before the break, or rather we were talking about long par threes and long holes and the ridiculousness of the US Open just in general. Get this, the longest hole, the longest hole in US Open history was the 12th at Oakmont in 2016. Bryce, guess how much it measured? 614 or something stupid like that. The first number was right. 684 <laughs> yards. 684. To give you some kind of context, that's 52 London double-decker buses parked in a straight line from nose to tail. There's a thought. There's a thought. Anyway, I just queued this up at the start of the show just to be completely upfront and honest with you, what you're about to hear was meant to go out last week ahead of the Champions League final, but then, yeah, something got in the way, as I'm sure you can appreciate. 
I caught up with former Man U, former Tottenham, former England striker Teddy Sheringham for a quick chat just last week. Brilliant guy, loves his golf. He's going to be playing in the Legends Tour series again this year. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But yeah, just so you know, when you're listening to this and he's talking about the Champions League final in the future sense, just go with it. I think it's still a really fun chat. So here is Teddy Sheringham. Teddy, welcome to the Bunkered Podcast. How are we doing? Good afternoon to you. Yeah, good afternoon to you too. Thank you for your time. Obviously, we're going to talk about golf in a second because of your tie-in with the, the Legend series that's taking place. Uh, there's an event at Trump International that we're all very excited about in Scotland. We'll talk about that in a second, but first, this is going out in Champions League final week. Manchester City trying to win the Champions League for the first time. You've done that. You know what it's like. And of course, you scored one of the, the two goals at Equaliser in Manchester United's win against Bayern Munich. Back in 1999, we'll get to the, the noisy neighbours across Manchester in a second. First and foremost, Teddy, what is it like to score that goal? And how often do you think about that equaliser? Well, I, you can imagine I do a lot of interviews these days. Uh, Champions League finals coming up. I get asked about it on average once once a day. <laughs> really? You know, it's rare. So that's a lot of times I've been asked over the last uh, 24 years, as you can imagine. <laughs> and uh, it never ceases to amaze me, people's stories. You know, people want to tell me more about what they was doing at that particular time. It's one of those moments where you remember where you was, isn't it? Um, they obviously know I scored it and it was a great feeling and, you know, that's what you're there for, all those sacrifices you made along the way to, to score one of the scruffiest goals I've ever scored, but <laughs> it went in and, it, and it, it, you know, it was the start of us making history by winning the treble that week. So, uh, yeah, but people want to tell me, you know, when that first goal went in, they jumped up and the chandeliers broke and, you know, their mum got the ump and, you know, I get so many different stories that, that uh, it ne- it's never never boring talking about it. What was the dressing room like afterwards? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, I think, yeah, because of the way we did it, we you know, we could have lost the game 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, but they hit the bar, the post, Peter made some great saves, but we were still in it. And that that was the beauty of that team uh, in that era. It was a never-say-die never attitude, and as long as it stayed 1-0, we had a chance of getting back into the game, and we kept plugging away and threw everything forward. Peter Smichael was in the box in the in the last <laughs> two minutes of injury time, and it, and it just ruffled a few feathers, and we got the lucky break that we needed. Obviously, a lot of noise being made by Manchester City fans about the, their chances of winning. How would it feel, as someone who was part of that Man United treble side, to see Man City potentially complete the treble this year? Well... You know what? When it's you know it gets talked about every year around February, March. Obviously, we're going into June now, and it's and it's a it could it's a possibility. I don't. I, I'd never wanted, definitely not Arsenal to do it, for Chelsea to do it, for Liverpool to do it. But you know, Manchester City, they're that good that I don't mind if if they win it as well because they've been phenomenal and they are the best team in the probably in the world at the moment. And if they do, it wouldn't be the worst thing to be up there alongside them. I know, I know the Manchester Reds won't be happy with that situation because it's always nice to throw something at the uh, opposition, the other side of the, the city. <laughs> but um, it wouldn't be the end of the world for me. No, but you'll be an Inter Milan fan, presumably, at the weekend. Is that fair to say? Um, 
you know what? I love everything about Pep Guardiola. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. I think he's taken the game to a whole new level in, in uh, England now. And I'd take me out off to him and say, do you know what? Some of the football, there, it's poetry in motion there, football. And they're, they're all on a wavelength. And that's all down to Pep Guardiola. And I, and I love it. I love seeing football played at the top level. You played for some great managers yourself, none more so than Sir Alex. We had Lee Sharp on the podcast last year. And he had some interesting experiences of being on the receiving end of the, the famous hairdryer. What was your experiences like with, with Sir Alex? Did you ever have to, to face that wrath? Uh, no, I was, uh, I was an experienced player by the time I um, went up to Manchester. I was 31 by the time I, I got to Manchester. So I think, I think he saved that for the young lads to, to make them grow up, to make them become young men. You know, that was the way he dealt with them. I sat next to Nicky Butt this side and Ryan Giggs this side, and I and I, I was, I got the overflow of the phlegm going at Butty and the overflow of the phlegm going at Giggsy. Never, never got the full force myself, but certainly know all about it. <laughs> You've seen it. You know what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, football, golf. There's always been that crossover there. That, you know that footballers seem to enjoy spending the downtime that you get playing golf. What was that like back then? Like, who were who were the good players in the, the the dressing rooms that you had? Whether it's White Hart Lane or Old Trafford or anywhere else, there was a, there was a few good players. Funny enough, at, at United, you know, most golfers, uh, most footballers pick up a golf club and they're half season they can whack it. You know, it's only when you start playing quite a bit that you start getting into all the the rules and the, the discipline of it. And um, you know, once we finish playing, it, we're we're always playing. But probably probably the best players. I would say Scholes is getting good now. Um, David May, it's a it's a mean ball. Dwight York's a good player. I play a lot with Yorkie over in Dubai and and, and around the world. Uh, but probably the best would be second best would be Jimmy Bullard and first top man for me Simon Davis without a doubt who I used to play with at Tottenham. He's a phenomenal golfer. Hits the ball absolutely miles for a for a small lean man. Uh, there's nothing of him really. Uh, but his just timing is just phenomenal, and uh, I think Paul McGinley likened his golf swing to Tiger Woods once, and we was all amazed. Like, really, you put in Simon Davis in the same bracket as Tiger Woods, and Simon just stood there and was like, you know, you know how it is. So <laughs> he's, he's up there, top player. Obviously, when when you retired, that's I read somewhere that you said that you you missed when you gave up football, you missed the sort of competition and that that thing that you'd got out of bed for every single morning and that's where golf sort of filled the void because you were getting agitated not having competition. Is that right? Did, did golf sort of fill the, the void that football had, been, had left behind? Well, it was poker, first of all. I had a, probably six, seven, eight years of playing poker in, in a, on the circuit. Not, not professionally, but I used to play oh, two, three, four, five times a week. Uh, wasn't married at the time, didn't have young kids again, so... You know, my, my time was uh, poker and then having a sleep, getting home about 6 o'clock in the morning, having a sleep for a few hours, then playing the golf and then going to play poker again. So I had a lovely life until these kids ruined it. <laughs> they tend to do that, don't they? But you still find time. You still find time to get out and play. I mean, why? Why golf? Why are you so obsessed by it? Uh, it's, just, it's just something that you can never never um, win at it. You're always tinkering with something. You're always trying to 
trying to be your best at it, and it it, it doesn't always work like that. Um, the competition inside of it as well, you know, you don't. There's no uh, interaction as such. There's no trying to put your your opponent off or not in the way that you did in football. But you know, you just have to concentrate and make sure that you, you know, get your one up on on the, your opponent. I love it. You've played with some great players as well down, uh, down the years, had some tremendous experiences. You played with Rory McIlroy, am I right? Yeah, I played a couple of times with Rory at Wentworth, yeah. So what was that like? Oh, phenomenal. You know, when you when you see top-level sportsmen at, at any sport, you, you, you know, I, I might have played quite well leading up to that, thinking, you know, do you know what, I'm getting quite good at this game. And then you then you see a top sportsman play, flying his trade. He was at ease with, with the game. It was just so easy for him. He hit it miles, chipped it onto the green, putted it. It was just so easy and it just, you know, it just made you think, wow, why am I bothering with this game? But, you know, <laughs> I'll keep trying. <laughs> so tell me about your game then. What, what do you play off just now? Where are you playing? Strengths, weaknesses, that sort of stuff? I'm off four at the moment. Uh, I play down at Prince's quite a bit on the coast in Kent. Um... I've forgotten his name right now. Rob. Oh, that's terrible. He's a Man United fan who owns the place. Um, and he gave me a membership down there, an honorary membership, which was lovely. So I, I get to take my mates down there quite a bit. It's just absolutely stunning down on the south coast down there. So what what's the best part of your game then, do you reckon? Um, probably, probably my mindset about it. You know, if I if I do have a bad hole, it doesn't it doesn't wreck the rest of my uh, round, you know, whereas a lot of a lot of people, you know, it might take them two or three hours to get back to it, but you know, I, I try not to dwell on it so much. Same as same as the football, you know, you you miss a chance, don't dwell on it. You get another chance, you score it. If you're in the right mindset, then you you'll do it do it properly the, the next time, you know. Yeah. Rather than missing the second one and then missing the third one and you beat yourself up. So, uh, yeah, probably probably that, yeah. What about the best courses that you've played so far? Where 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 stands out? Oh, a few. Uh, Shadow Creek, in Vegas. Wow! Wait a second. Wait uh, a second. Um, Shadow Creek. That's very hard to get on. Who who do you know? What who's your hookup? We actually had the Icon competition there. I don't know nice. if you've heard about that. Mm-hmm. It's the top sportsman play. We I think it was one of the first years. Funny enough, we um uh. And, and our after-show event, uh, P. Diddy come and did 45 minutes, uh, like his little concert for us as well. He performed for us. For, for uh, There was only about 70 people there, 70 or 80 people, and he was up there with his entourage doing his doing his best gig. He obviously got paid a few quid for it, but <laughs> it was uh, real. But, yeah, that was, that was all part of the icon thing. That, that was really good. Valderrama in Spain, absolutely loved. Uh, San Lorenzo down in Portugal I just love travelling and playing these best courses uh, just come back from Ireland as well um, played at the European Club that was lovely the K Club uh, Dublin Royal Dublin Links as well stunning stunning courses I love them what is more nerve wracking for you standing on the first tee in a competition or stepping up to take a penalty for say England or, or Man United Tottenham whoever it might be Without a doubt, um, standing on the first tee playing golf because you're just never quite sure what, what what's going to turn up. What you know, you know, if you're a golfer, you know that 
you could be playing great for three weeks and you're telling everybody, yeah, I'm looking forward to this cop and you turn up and all of a sudden it, the game disappears and you think, why? why? Why would it disappear on me on this, you know, when I when I really want to play well today? But the football, you know, the football was ingrained. I know, know I missed a few penalties. You're talking about taking penalties, but taking a penalty in the uh, European Championship uh, semi-final against Germany in '96 was was uh, probably the most nervous I've been on a on a football pitch. Stepping up to take a penalty and was relieved to see it at the back of the net. Just is an understatement. It was a good penalty, as I remember as well. Yeah, it went exactly where I wanted it. Uh, yeah, thought to myself, it uh, if I put it where I I want it to go with the right pace, then the goalkeeper ain't saving it. So uh, you don't always feel as confident as that, but that night I did. I wasn't going to ask being a Scotsman, but you know what? You brought it up, that, that semi-final that year. I was 12 at the time, and I remember thinking, yeah, you guys are going to win it. I think everyone felt that it was almost, I'm not going to say England's to lose, but it seemed like you had a really good chance that year. When you look back, how much of a disappointment is it? Yes, yeah, without a doubt. When you, when you look at the stature of players that we had in that team, we, we must have had eight or nine captains in that team and, and that, I think that's what made it the team such a good team because we was all at a stage in our career that, that probably at our peak everyone at different ages but maybe you know perhaps with it, Gary Neville being a youngster at the time but even even he was an old youngster you know he was 22 but he acted like he was 40 anyway didn't he he was like an old man before his time anyway um but you know, you look around all the pitch. You, there was there was captains all over the place and, and outstanding players. So I do look back on that and think it is a chance chance sorely missed. You know, we was many meters away from Darren Anderson at the post, and then Gaza's big toe just missed it at the far post, and then obviously that idiot Gareth Southgate missing the penalty. <laughs> Tell me about Gaza because. I, I was a Rangers oh I am a Rangers fan and uh, Gaza was one of my heroes when I was a little boy I stopped short of getting the peroxide hair done but I, I had a Gaza shirt and all that sort of stuff obviously I for me I think he was at his best during that tournament other people might disagree but I thought he was phenomenal scored a decent goal against us I suppose what was he like to, to play alongside? He was phenomenal he was the best he was without doubt the best talent I've played with as, uh, in a in a England football shirt anywhere across my playing time. He was just, he just did things that, you know, I do the Q&As and tell people that, you know, there was a couple of times, one time I remember a training, I can't actually remember what he actually did, but the, the whole 22 of us just stopped and went, oh, Gaza, that's unbelievable, you know. And when 22 of the top best players in the, in the country are all stop and applaud one person, you know it's got to be special and, and Gaza got that. Yeah, no, he was a, a one-off, a proper legend in every sense of the word. And obviously, the the Legends Tour—that's that's what we're here to talk about. You know, you've got a, you're involved in it. Obviously, this year, a number of very famous faces involved in it. Tell me how you got involved with the Legends Tour, what the appeal is, and why people should be paying more attention. I think I think the Legends Tour wanted to get a little bit more of a um, stature about it and put you know a bit more publicity, and they invited couple of the, the old sports boys, not just the golfers, to, to come and play. You know, I played with, with Robbie Fowler and Gavin Hastings. And then you've got uh, Brian McFadden, 
Yeah. And uh, Keith Duffy as well, you know, you know, just giving it a little bit of a, a boost uh, publicity-wise. And, and it's great. The competition, we, we all get out there and we all love our golf. We're all, you know, and then you're rubbing shoulders with the ex-players and, you know, people like Roger Chapman, who I just look at and he makes the game look so easy. I think he's just, I think he's just turned 60 and he makes the game look so easy. It's just phenomenal, really, even all these years after they've finished playing. Um, and it's great. You're playing on some great, great courses. And we're coming up to Trump Aberdeen uh, in August, which I'm really looking forward to. I've been told it's unbelievable. Um, going to Sea Point as well over in, over just outside Dublin uh, this month, I think that is. Um, so, you know, it's nice travelling, playing all these great courses and, and rubbing shoulders with the, with the big boys. It's not a bad retirement, really, is it, Teddy? No, no. I did, uh, I did get in a cab uh, with my golf clubs yesterday. My car was in for a service and the cabbie dropped, picked me up and he went, you're going golf again? You've got a tough life, haven't you? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know. Tell me about your dream four ball then. Obviously, you can pick Legends players if you want, but you don't have to. If you could pick any three people to play with you, who are you picking? Uh, Tiger Woods, without a doubt. Love to play with Tiger Woods. You know, I've played probably with the second best player in the world, Rory. But I'd, I'd like to play with Tiger Woods. Uh, Bobby Moore, if he was still around, that would oh, okay. be nice to, to run shoulders with him. Um, and then it'd have to be a nice young lady to, to uh, make up the four ball as well. Who can we think of right off the top of my head? Oh, I've gone blank. I've gone blank on the girls. I'll come back to it. I'll, I'll think so many to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a course that you've not yet played that you're desperate to play? I mean, listen, I've, I've played Trump International. I can assure you, you're in for a massive treat when you go there. Unbelievable, unbelievable golf course. But that apart, is there anywhere in the world that you're like, yep, yeah, that's that's number one? Uh, it's got to be Augusta. Um, a couple of couple of the, the ex footballers have, have played it and they said how amazing it is. Um, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to in the next couple of years as well before I get too old and you know start hitting the ball not as good as I, you know, you do in your younger days. So I'd, I'd like to play it in the next couple of years just to just to enjoy that. You know, I've been there. I went there for my son's 30th birthday a few years ago, and, and just being around it is just awesome. Have you been? Uh, this is going to sound terribly immodest, Teddy, but I played it last month. Did you really? I did. Wow. I got that, through that the it. I got out of the media lottery every year. People listen to this podcast have heard this story a million times by the way already. But yeah, there's a, a media lottery, so everyone who covers it, all the media go into a ballot every year and there's about twenty four names get drawn to play on the Monday. So you get Sunday pins and all that stuff. Oh it, it's as good as it gets. This interview is just extended for another half an hour. Tell me more about it. I'm ready to listen. <laughs> no, it's, it's genuinely amazing. But it's, it's, it's a great place just to go and to, as you say, walk around. And you've seen it. What, what's your yeah. favourite part on Augusta when, you know, it's different when you've played, clearly. But, you know, what's it like to, to stand on? Where's your favourite bit? Well, you, you can, the, the best thing, the beautiful thing about that is you can get your chair and write your name on the back of it and you can put it down wherever you want. And anyone can come and sit on that chair. But then as soon as you go and tap them on the shoulder and say, excuse me, mate, that's my chair, it's got my name on it. They go, oh, sorry, and, and jump up and go and sit somewhere else, you know. And I thought that was the beauty of it. So we put our chairs behind the 16th, you know, the par three, and uh, just went and had a wander for a couple of hours and then came back there and sat there later on in the day to see all the big boys coming through. And it was, you know, just quite surreal that 
it's, it's just got so much history about it, hasn't it, the place? And it's, it's just stunning, stunning all around. Yeah, I'd love to play it. I'm back. I played pretty well, actually. I only three-putted yeah. once, which was nice. So I'll take wow. that. All credit to my caddy. All credit to him. The pimento cheese sandwich. Yeah. Tell me you tried it when you were there. Uh, I don't like cheese. Ah, oh, you and me both. Did you? What, what's the what's the thing that you tried? Because Augusta's famous for its food as well, isn't it? But is there something that you tried there that stands out? Uh, no, not no. I've, I've just got a couple of mem- memorabilia stuff. You know, like a top that I've a couple of t-shirt, jacket, and my little um, Augusta cup that I love drinking. You know. Have me a cup of tea in the mornings and look and think, oh, it was great there. I'd love to play there one day. Yeah, one day. I'll tell you what, come and work for Bunkered and I'll sort you out with media accreditation for next year. That's the best way. Done. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that's how you was paying me for this interview, that you was going to get me on Augusta. Did you not I'll, read the small print? I did not. I'll see what I can do. I'll pull some strings. I'll, I'll put a good word in with, uh, with the green jacket, see what I can do. Finally, then we have to come you back to our, your, your dream four ball. We're, we're still missing a player. Who's it going to be? You know what? I have gone so blank on on women. That that's ridiculous. My wife's sitting over there as well. She, can, I'm not even in earshot, so I could say whoever I want, and I'm not going to get a smack round the head. And I've gone completely blank. You're just going to have to see your wife now. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I can see how she's burning intense from over there. <laughs> I, I'll have to go. I'll tell you once you sort me out on Augusta. I'll tell you this, who the dream lady is. Done. No problem at all. But before then, I'll hopefully see you at Trump International. So, yeah, to anyone listening, make sure that you head along and, and check it out. It's going to be a great event, a lot of fun, and a chance to see some sporting legends, not just golf icons, but other icons as well, like Teddy. So, Teddy, thank you so much for joining us on the Bunker Podcast. Greatly appreciated indeed. Tell on you, Red. Huge thanks to Teddy. What a nice bloke. And to think, Bryce, he has scored in a Champions League final. You remember watching 1999 against Bayern Munich, Man United's yes, famous win? I watched that in the Strathclyde Student Union. Oh, what a place. Yes. 50 well, pence pints. It wasn't really. It was a bit of a, bit of a dump, to be honest. And it's gone now, sadly. Is it really? Yeah, they've moved to a new premises. Oh, right, okay. Bit of a shame. The old yeah. barony bar. It was a good night. Yeah, it certainly was. So thank you, Teddy, and thank you to the guys at the Legends Tour for, for fixing that up. Go to the Legends Tour website and have a look and see if there's an event coming to your neck of the woods fairly soon. I cannot recommend them highly enough. Like I say, start of yesteryear from the golf scene and some of the the best-known faces in sport and music and showbiz taking part as well. It really is a, a fun day out. Before we get on to Podder of Merit, Bryce, let's go back to the quiz and see how you fared. Before the break, I asked you, since World War II, there have been 14 non-American winners of the US Open. Can you name them? Can you? Yes. Go for it. John Ram Is correct in 2021. Matt Fitzpatrick. The defending champion. Justin Rose. In 2013 at Marion. Prisoner number 471. Otherwise known as Angel Cabrera. Oh, he went there in 2007 at Oakland, correct. Tony Jacklin. In 1970, well done. GMAC. And Crabble win, you know, US Open, Father's Day, my dad there. A pebble. Pebble. In 2010, yes. Michael Campbell. Yep, former Bunker podcast guest in 2005. Steve, surprisingly well. Steve Elkington. Wrong. Shit. PGA. Oh, I'm thinking he was in the playoff of Monty, wasn't he? But you're actually 
along the right lines with Monty in playoffs, I think. Yeah, I know, I know. Retief Gusson? Twice, in actual fact, in 2001 and 2004. Uh, Ernie Els? Twice, 1994 and 1997. I'm sure Monty was in a playoff there, wasn't he? Uh, Jeff Ogilvy? In 2006, when again, Monty Monty should have won. Sorry, Colin. I think that's 10 I've got right. Yes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Who am I missing? Oh, Bryce. Oh, Bryce, 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 Bryce. One of only five men to have completed the career Grand Slam. Oh, shit. Hold on. 1965. Oh, no, oh my God. How You're can n- you have forgotten me? I, I was the first one. sit-ups before I played. <laughs> of course, Gary Player. Gary Player, shit. I won it multiple times. Oh Actually, God. only won it once in 65, yeah. I think. 19, we'll come back to 81 in a second, but you're going to kick yourself. 2014. Martin Keimer. No, I d- Martin Keimer. I did think that. So he's won two Where majors. was that? Pinehurst. Oh, my God. He ran away with it. Wire to wire. Yeah, winner, wasn't that's he? right. Oh, shit. Sorry, Price Martin. Gets worse. 2011. At Congressional. Oh, Rory McIlroy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, 1981. I don't blame you for not getting this one. David Graham. David, oh, sorry, David. Sorry, Dave. But a huge apologies to Rory and Martin Cameron. Yeah, and Gary Players. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's not great. But 10 out of 14. If you did better than Bryce, let us know. Slide into our DMs. There's no way of us proving that you didn't, so... Maybe don't actually, but don't bother yeah. sliding in. <laughs> Just be smug by yourself. Speaking of being smug, podder of merit. Oh, I'm smug. A couple of weeks ago, because we didn't do a pod the week before last, we're rather busy. And then we did an emergency pod last week where there was no podder. So I'm going to have to throw this back to the Charles Schwab challenge at Colonial. Bryce, you picked Justin Rose inspired shout. To be fair, that man is playing great golf right now. And he finished in a tie for 12th. Fair play. I went for defending champion Sam Burns, who finished in a tie for 6th. So get it all the way right up ye. Point for McEwen, which means as it stands, Bryce 5, Michael 9. One point from glory. That's all I am. One point from glory. And it could be sealed this week at the US Open. So, my honour, your honour, and lots, lots of choice. I'm actually just consulting with Steve the Ref. Hello, Steve. Just now to make sure that I haven't already chosen this man. And I can tell you right now, if you've chosen him, who is it? I'm looking at it. I haven't chosen him. So that's great. The player I'm picking to win the US Open this week, or better yet, win me the point and seal another Podder of Merit title. To make it 5-1 overall is... Brooks Kepka. Oh, right, okay. Uh, well, I need to beat Scotty Scheffler in that case. Oh, okay. I've have got you, a hold of big have, guns. Have, nope. have, have you chosen him? Nope. No, you have not. Ooh, okay. Interesting that we've not gone for Max Homa largely because we've both picked him previously, but would he have been in, the, in your thoughts, California specialist? No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Max. So it's Brooks Kepka versus Scotty Scheffler this week. Big man, you need this point. I do need this point. 
I need Scotty to turn up. 5-1 going into season seven would be... Embarrassing. Your word, not mine. Right, let's finish up as we always do with Honesty Box. Bryce, in honour of the US Open, we've played a lot of golf courses between us. What is the hardest golf course you have ever played? Or even if you found them all easy because you are a flusher, which one have That's you very, struggled very most on? That's a very good point. It's a very good point. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. It's relative, obviously, but you know, yeah. which one have you struggled most on? I'm going to have to think about this. Well, I'll, I'll go first if that helps. I found Wentworth really difficult. Really? Mm-hmm. Honestly? Honestly, I found it really difficult, but I didn't also enjoy it. I had a really yeah. bad day for playing it. Dark, wet, just general misery. I played Wentworth in Beautiful Sunshine and just didn't really enjoy it. It's not a fun golf course. Yeah, I didn't think so. I think we've slated it quite a lot in the pod over the years, but it's not for me. But I did find it quite difficult. I don't know if that impacted how I, how I feel about it generally. I'd like to think it doesn't because I'm better than that. Um, no, the toughest, probably, I went to Sweden with Galvin Green when they were launching some new products. This is going back 11, 12 years ago. And we got to play the stadium course at Brohoff Slot, just outside Stockholm. Beautiful setup. This big, huge, stately house. It looks like something out of James Bond. The golf course is, there's two courses there. There's the castle course. Not to be confused with the one at St Andrews because the greens at Brohoff's Castle are normal. <laughs> I'm joking. The castle course has improved its greens since it first opened, clearly. Wow. But the stadium course, the big one, the one that's hosted like the Scandinavian Masters and so on. Holy shit. That is just... Is that the one with water everywhere? Everywhere. <laughs> so it goes fairway, first cut, water. It's a lake, everywhere it's a lake with grass. Yeah, Exactly. I don't know how many balls Island I lost. holes. Yeah, I think there's two actually. Or there's a peninsula green and there's an island hole in two of the last three holes. So 16, I think, is a pen- 15. Actually, maybe 15 and 16 are peninsula greens where you just, there's nothing but water behind them. 17 is a replica of Sawgrass, the 17th. And 18 is like a reverse 18th at Pebble. So the water at Pebble, which is all down the left-hand side, is down the right. It is utterly punishing then they've got like this thick juicy lush rough all around the green so you need to take a full swing and flop stuff it's just honestly it is as tough a golf course as i've ever seen the only good thing about it is that after eight holes you go into their little halfway house and they serve you up or you go and place your order they they give you a choice of all these waffles that you can have so you place your order and then by the time you get round to the 12th that's ready for you to go and eat. So that's that's what I like. Does uh, Dundonald not do that? Potentially, does Dundonald does yeah. get a wee a wee thing you you phone up. Um, I had a phone on the the ninth, didn't it? Previously. Yeah, I don't know if it's still there. Tenth tea, they have it. They deliver it to you. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, Brohoff, it just it, it kicked me in the balls and then kept on kicking. It was <laughs> so so difficult. Walked off a broken man. Brilliant. I yeah. Uh, I would probably say the toughest golf course I've ever played. It was down to the conditions. And I'm going to go to Carnoustie, but it was the mm. Burnside. I know everyone will say championship course, but I played the Burnside. Burns, I played the Burnside course at Carnoustie once. This is years ago in a media day. And it was, I am not kidding, it was like 35 mile an hour winds. It was reasonably chilly. And I, I remember walking to the tee with a journalist called 
Alison Root, who I think oh, uh, yeah. works for Golf Monthly. She does, does yeah. like the female uh, ladies content for Golf Monthly. And um, she did not want to go into the first tee. She didn't want to play. She's like, this is horrendous. Because <laughs> and I wear lenses and the other this the wind was just blowing in my face all the time. And it's it's a, the three courses at Coon Estate are brilliant. But that was I remember it being absolutely brutal. It's the one time I I've I've really thought I'd rather be someone else. I also played Golsby in horrendous weather oh, conditions. Right up in the north of Scotland. Horrendous. For those of you who don't know where Golsby is, go to Inverness and keep driving north. Keep it's going. about an hour or so yeah. north. Really, really difficult. But I would say the 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 most difficult golf course, but it, I don't, and this sounds tremendously arrogant, is Kernusty Championship. It is really, really it difficult. It's so tough. Yeah. But I always, I, I don't know what it is, I always play really, really well. I, you think I, you raise your game because it is I, tough? I think so, yeah. I love Kernusty. I've said it before, I think it's the best golf course in Scotland, probably by some distance. Because you know that is, logic of playing with players hard. who are better than you, and it helps. Yeah. I mean, I, I find that when I play with... Me? You, I, I don't play as well, but then when I play with someone who's good, I do play a little bit. <laughs> is, is it the just, same with golf courses? For yeah, you? Can it, yeah, possibly. Can it stay, you, you don't hit driver or that, but you can, but I don't tend not to in some holes. And it's got a quite, a, I actually think it's got a quirky start. Not mm. a lot of people would agree with that, but it's got a bit of a weird first few holes. And then like six is just incredible. It's got some cracking par threes. It, it's got like a drivable par four for me. But then you, oh, it's aye. got a few because <laughs> I'm huge. <laughs> well, yeah, there's some dog legs and stuff, and there's just like tricky spots off the tee. Some of the greens are really hard to reach, and then you come to like sixteen, and it's like a bloody three wood into a green. It's just yeah. madness. Seventeen and eighteen are bonkers. It is. If you were to stand on the on the first tee and say, "Right, I'm going to try and shoot a score today," you're staring at Kernan State Championship, and it's highly unlikely <laughs> that that's going to happen. And that's the sign of a really good golf course. Oh, I agree. But if you play well, you I do feel as though it it lets you play well. Yeah. But it'll, if you if you make a mistake, you're in the shit. What would the USGA do with Carnoustie if that was part of the US Open rota? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they couldn't go grow rough. That's not really. They'd probably have to shave all the uh, bracken and whatever it is when they say the fairways because they would just people would be dying. They'd widen the Barry Burn, probably. Yeah, yeah. They'd probably put some sort of stand around it. I don't know. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Ryder Cup would. Uh, imagine having a Ryder Cup at Carnoustie. That'd be a oh, great laugh. That'd be awesome. I, I feel brilliant. quite jealous of the people that got to see the Ryder Cup at Muirfield. That would have been awesome. Like 73, was it? 74? Yeah, yeah. How good would that have been? Because it's the fairest golf course, Michael. Well, everything's right in front of you. I don't know if you're aware of that. It's right in front of you. Start kind of going, it's very fair. Jack Nicholas called it the fairest golf <laughs> Do you think? Do you <laughs> By the way, Muirfield is incredible. Phenomenal. Absolutely. And I will, I will take Amazing. you there this year. I know I'm Oh, thanks it. very much. Would you like, well, of course you would like, do you think in our lifetime, and obviously, you know, there's, there's, more behind you, Bryson, than there is in front of you. Do you... <laughs> How do you know what... I, I, I could live to 100. All right, Bryson, calm down. Do you... That was one of Bryson's quotes, by the way, that's been forgotten. I'm going to live to be 128. <laughs> no, you're not. Good luck with that. Did he say that? Remember he said, I'm, I want to live... Hang on. I need, I need to get the actual year. Bryson DeChambeau... What's again? Live to be... Oh, there it is. Speaking to GQ. Oh, yes. He said, is, is, I'm always, hang on, 
I'm always trying to add more value to my life in general. I mean, my goal is to live to 130 or 140. I really think that's possible now with today's technology. <laughs> what the f*** are you what, saying? What is it when people get interviewed by GQ and they just turn into complete idiots? That's what Tiger did. It really ruined his career yes. when it started. Yeah, exactly. That's absolutely brilliant. Today's technology, what is that technology? Yeah, I, I don't think an AI flash face is going to help you live longer, Bryce. No, I don't, I don't know that. what he's talking about. But anyway, the, the question being, in your lifetime, do you think that we'll see a St. Andrews or a Carnoustie or a Muirfield hosted Ryder Cup? What do you reckon? Only if the head of the RNA, whoever's in charge, has a massive change of heart. But no. Oh, you mean allow courses that are on the road yeah, to be used for non-open reasons? they're all contracted, but I'd yeah. love to see a Ryder Cup. I would love to see a Ryder Cup go to a Lynx course. I'd, I'd love to see the Ryder Cup go to an old school Scottish seaside golf course Dornoch like, yeah Dornoch or Crail imagine to a Ryder Cup to Crail and just said sorry that's it you're only getting 10,000 there a day that's it tickets give all the money to charity and tickets are 500 quid each yeah I think DP Absolutely World Tour relies financially on the success of the Ryder Cup could Might have, have a slight issue with that, that but the tickets are more expensive than they'll make that in yeah. high value I'd like to see it I'd like to see it but I, I'm not against, I understand it, I'm not against going to these new venues and so on, and I get it, but the golf course, as we've said a million times, isn't the star of a Ryder Cup. Yeah. It's the players and what happens at the star of the You could play Cup. it anywhere, technically. Yeah. You, you could, could play it at Knightswood, yeah. for example. Well, you couldn't, but I know what you mean. There's only nine holes. Yeah. It'd be a bit weird, doesn't it? Strange. Yeah. <laughs> bit strange. <laughs> I think the theory is you could, you wouldn't. But you can't. <laughs> 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 More chance, I think, of seeing it happen in Abu Dhabi or, who knows, Saudi Arabia, Royal Greens, potentially. Ooh, there's a thought for another day. Listen, Robin Galloway, the great, the iconic, the, the simply wonderful in. Robin Galloway. We don't barge into his studio. We should. Let's we do should. that Let's tomorrow. Let's do that next, but they're live, so that's a slight issue. Who says we're not? Oh, yeah, the Teddy Sheringham interview that we pre-recorded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, Robin's wanting the studio and we've got work to do, so we better go. But before we do, keep up to date with all the latest US Open goings on this week. Goings on? Going on? Goings on. Going keep up to date with what's happening at the US Open That's this it. week on the Bunkered website, bunkered.co.uk. Again, our social media channels will be full of all the latest from Los Angeles Country Club. Better yet, sign up for our daily newsletter. You can do so on the website and you'll get all the news in your inbox every single morning whilst you're eating your Cheerios or your toast or your avocado and toast as Bryce probably has. God knows what you have for breakfast. So that's what to do. Don't miss out. It's going to be a great week of golf. Bryce, thanks as always for your time. Pleasure. Thank you to Terry Sheringham and to the legends to our team. Very much appreciated indeed. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you to Callaway for the continued support. And thank you to me, frankly, because I'm the glue that holds this all together. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>